Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What Happens in the Woods is a true crime podcast. We discuss events that are often violent in nature. Listener's discretion is advised. Twenty-eight years is a long time to go without answers. That is how long the families of Michael Johnston and Rochelle Robinson have gone without knowing who murdered the two of them. There are no suspects, not much evidence, and a lot of unanswered questions. Despite help from a private investigator, a psychic, and reports of a possible stalker, this case is cold. Was it the work of an occult member? Are there deaths connected to a popular RPG card game? Or was it a jealous lover? Join us this episode to talk about all the possibilities. This is True Crime Podcast, What Happens in the Woods, with your hosts, Jess and Bryce. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back. How's everybody doing? How are you doing, Bryce? Okay. Are you good? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. You got lots to talk about today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, happy February to everybody. Yay, February. Yeah, this I don't I don't know. I I I feel weird that January's already gone. Yeah. It's done and gone. And it's officially like 2022. Like once you're out of January, that's just it. You're in the fucking year and that's that. That's right. Yeah. So hopefully everybody has a good Valentine's Day. And it's also Black History Month. So learn some things. Educate yourselves. Um, I don't know. Do things that you wouldn't normally do. That's right. And, and learn about things that are important to other, you know, races other cultures other other places in the world just just learn and be open to it i think that's important yes yeah so you have any do you have any announcements bryce what any anything that you would like to share no (laughs) i have any announcements are you sure yeah Mm Hmm. who's in the lead it's still uh the uk the uk still in the lead outside the united states Yes. Okay. Did you hear that our friends at Crimes and Closets have a Patreon? I did. I did see that. Yeah, I joined. <laughs> did you know? Of course I did. Oh. I'm a closet sister. Okay. I've been in the closet. I started in the closet. Yes. Yeah. I'm a closet sister. I'm an OG okay. closet sister. Hi, ladies. 
by the way, because I know you're listening. (laughs) And that's why we love you guys. Um, So very cool. That's a big step for them. So I just wanted to plug that for them because that's kind of, that's awesome. It's a big step. Yeah. I've thought about doing it, but I I don't have the time. I'm not going to lie. I just, I don't have the time to, to be on that. So, but that's very cool for them. I'm very happy for them. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, maybe Bryce could be our Patreon. Maybe you could do things on Patreon. Nobody wants to listen to me. Yeah, they do. No. Yeah, they do. It's all you. No. Nobody listens to what happens in the woods to listen to my dumbass. Okay, but I don't really think people are just tuning in for me. They're tuning in for the the cases, for the stories. They're, they're tuning into your soft, sultry voice. Yeah. Some some t- today I will say yes. Today <laughs> I have that going on. Uh, not always. It's no? not always. No. No. <laughs> no. What is it? I don't other, know. It's other. allergy season. Yeah. Is what it is. <laughs> hey guys. Yeah. Um, by the end of the summer, I'm going to sound like a chain smoker again. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I wanted to uh, make mention if you, if anybody listens to us, you may have heard us share a promo with um, Wine Dine and Storytime. Yeah. And they have rebranded. Did you Did you see that? Uh, did not. Yeah. So they are now um, the Crime Diner. Okay. I guess there was a mention that maybe they were uh, something kind of. I mean, like an offhand remark, like maybe people won't think that we're like a book story telling thing because uh, it was wine dine and story time. So people thought that they would like, read it was book, book club. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It was like book, book club with wine. Um, so yeah, check them out. Uh, they, they didn't, I, as far as I, I haven't listened to their latest episode that since they rebranded, but um I mean, they're, they're hilarious to listen to and they always do a good job too. Yeah. So also I can officially announce what Bryce has been so excited about. <laughs> we are in the works to do a collab with another Pacific Northwest podcast, which is the true crime cat lawyer Yay! with Elise and Winston and so, Winston and Winston. I want to meet Winston. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I think he'd be awesome. She is like, I don't know. She just, she's like the kind of cat that always looks so poised. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, so we're excited to team up with them and, and do an episode. I, I believe we've tentatively set up a release date and we'll let you know about that. Um, but they are, well, Elise, I don't know if she'll bring Winston with her, but um, <laughs> one could only hope. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Uh, they are also going to be at the the PNW True, True Crime Fest yes. in October that we're going to be going to. So if you guys haven't checked out that website, um, pnwtruecrimefest.com, get your tickets. You can get it, tickets for both dates or one of the other dates. It's on a Saturday and Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, October I 8th and 9th. I, we'll be there both days. I know that we, we get a booth be. that way. Yeah, we'll be there. Come by and say hi. We're going to rope in the girls. The girls have to come <laughs> and, and be at the booth as well. So if anybody wants to meet the girls, we'll have we'll have the whole family. Yeah. It'll be the whole family up there. But we really want to meet you guys. And um, like I said in the last episode, it is nerve wracking for me to do this. <laughs> um, I am. I 
I'm starting to panic every time I talk about it because, yeah, <laughs> yeah public speaking is really hard for me. So I, the more support we get, the better it would be. So, you know, please, anybody who wants to come, come meet us and support us, just you guys get involved and, and, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of, of people, um, there's somebody coming in and showing like a documentary now. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. So check out their Instagram. There's a lot of cool information on it and yeah, there's, uh, it's going to be a fun weekend talking about true crime who who doesn't want to be there who doesn't want to go i don't if you don't want to go i don't know what you're listening to us for so <laughs> yeah. yeah so anyways we hope you guys you know give those podcasts a listen and support them they're you know always supportive of us and and we just want to repay the favor so um but also if there are other podcasts that you guys listen to that we should know about please share we want to know like we want to know what else you guys listen to so please share if there's something we should know about that's, you know, fucking awesome. We want to know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all I got. Awesome. <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> all right. What? I don't know what. Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. We we don't have something that you're breaking? What is going on with this thing, dude? Oh, my God. You're... Busting up your brand new phone. That's yeah. what you're doing. I guess I'm holding it. You guess you're going to hold it for the entire episode? Yeah. Okay. And why are you holding your phone? <laughs> oh, is that what you want me to get yeah. at? Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? That's what I am getting at to announce. Oh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest with us. It is my little sister, uh, Renee Carroll. <laughs> Hello, Auntie Nay. Hello. Hi. Via phone is my little sister Renee. Uh, we affectionately call her Auntie Nay. So you guys may too. I don't. I don't know, Renee. Is that okay with you that they call you Auntie Nay? Maybe Ate. that's fine. She's, she's Ate. <laughs> I don't. I don't know any other names to be called by <laughs> Renee. Sounds weird to me. So. Okay. <laughs> Renee's only when you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like triggering. Right. <laughs> and I and I always do this, like it's um my favorite thing to do. I, I don't I think they would know this by now, but Renee didn't know she was gonna be on a podcast today. I literally called her like right before we started recording. I was like, What you doing, Auntie Nay? <laughs> so, totally ambushed. That's right. So. That is correct. Um <laughs> But Auntie Nay is a good sport, and I've been trying the longest to get her on here. And after three and a half seasons, she finally made it on. Um, so We're on season four. Yeah, three and a half. We haven't finished four. So we're halfway through f four. So it's three. And a am I okay, correct? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, yay, Auntie Nay is on. Yay. Yay. Excited well, to be here. Very excited. <laughs> I'm excited. So excited to be on my phone listening to God knows what. Yeah, she doesn't. Hopefully, like, I don't have nightmares tonight. That's right. Um, you won't. You'll be fine, Antine. I don't know. I don't think you will. I think this this one's pretty tame. I mean, as far as murders go. <laughs> as far as murders, <laughs> murders and mayhem. <laughs> Don't, I, don't forget to look in your closet. No, don't tell her that. 
This has nothing to do with closets, oh. okay? Okay. Um, yeah, your your closet is fine. This has nothing to do with houses or okay. homes and it at all. It's the guy that's in the closet you have to worry about. No, he's probably <laughs> fine. Oh, okay. He's fine too. <laughs> Just just tell him that you have a huge uh, dildo with his name on it if he comes out. You can borrow a Scuba Steve's if you want. He's going to catch to the side of the dome. That's right. You can borrow Ricardo from Scuba Steve and uh, right, right. you'll be all good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. All right. Well, I do have a story to tell. Are you guys ready? Ready. I'm ready. Okay. All right, you get to hold your phone the entire I'm time. Holding the phone the entire time. <laughs> All right, let me let me get adjusted here in my seat. Let me let me settle in. All right, so we're going back to the nineties. Yay! This is how we do. Oh, yeah, in Tacoma. In Tacoma, okay. Yeah, not in the Bay Area or anything. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Uh, all right. So June 28th, 1994, the body of Michael Johnston, who was 25 years old, was found in the early morning hours near a parked car close by a local shooting range called the Tacoma Sportsman's Club. His throat had been cut, but he'd also been shot at close point range in his head just for, you know, good measure because slitting somebody's throat isn't good enough, apparently. Um, there were signs that, uh, during, you know, the autopsy that he had been handcuffed at one point during the attack, but the ca- cuffs were not on his body when he was found. There were signs that he was forced to kneel near the hood of the car where his body was found, but there was no weapon found, mm. n- neither the gun nor the knife at the scene. And it's really unclear if there was any evidence found um, because they had no DNA evidence to link to anybody and um, doesn't really seem like there was much forensic evidence at all on the scene. Um, Michael was a father. He was married. He had two young children. Um, His wife at that time was named Janet. And he, like many young people during that time, was into RPG um, a game, so role-playing game uh-huh. uh, called Magic the Gathering. And he had been at a friend's house the night prior up until about 11 p.m. playing this game. So at this time, that game had only, that card game had only been out maybe a year, I believe, if my my dates are correct. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, were you playing at that time, Bryce? Yeah. Wait, this isn't about me. <laughs> yes. Yes, I... No, I wasn't. No, I no, don't I wasn't. think you were yet. No. No, I think that would have been... It's later. Yeah, like like when... Yeah, because when I was pregnant with Mara, that's when you start playing Renee. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so not until like 1997 was he playing Renee. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had a few years to go. That's right. Yeah. Um, but this was something pretty common that he was he was into so he would go to hang out with people and and play this game so his body like i said was found at about 4 45 in the morning by a woman passing by don't ask me what the fuck this woman was doing um some accounts say she was out jogging i don't know at 4 45 but whatever others uh, stated, she sounds like a psycho i mean right <laughs> 
It's her. She's the killer. Well, I don't know. Look, no, because if you're in Tacoma, you she could be from the army base. You know what I mean? Or, no. So the thing is, okay, they so say she is Tacoma. a Tacoma. <laughs> well, they say Tacoma. It's the Tacoma Sportsman's Club. Yeah. Guess where it's at? It's right down here. It's on Canyon Road. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not in Tacoma whatsoever. No. Maybe at some point they started in Tacoma, but it's it's uh, it's not even like I wouldn't even say it's the outskirts of Tacoma no. because you still have Spanaway, Parkland, Lakeland, Fredrickson, Fredrickson. Like it, before you even, I don't know. So maybe at some point they were in Tacoma and they moved because in at this time period um, it this was not really developed out here. Yeah. Yeah. So out towards this area where, um, where Canyon road is. So she was out, you know, doing whatever she was doing at four forty-five in the morning. And, um, apparently she might've been a camper. There was a campground on the other side of the shooting range. That's a real scary thought. You're going to have a shooting range, open shooting range. It's not an indoor range from what I understand. No, it's outside. It's but an I outside range and they had a campground by it. I would not feel safe. <laughs> like a rogue, yeah, rogue no fire, you. you know? Yeah. I don't know. That's just, it's a thought. Um, So she came across, found him. He was, unfortunately, there was nothing that, you know, emergency services could do. He was definitely passed. The car he was found by was not his. So his car was found later on about five miles away in Spanaway, parked at a school. But it would be an important part of the case as later that day, the body of a young 19-year-old woman was found a few miles away in the woods who had met a similar fate. Rochelle Robinson was found around 5 p.m. the same day she had multiple stab wounds, um, including some small nicks on her neck as if she had been, you know, held and threatened at knife point. Mm -hmm. Her throat had also been slashed down to the bone. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was very brutal. The stab wounds were deep. This was a, a crime of passion, apparently, from all, you know, evidence that the police found. They definitely felt that this was a... a Somebody was angry. Somebody was very worked up when they killed her. Yeah. She was left in the woods, partially hidden under a large flat cardboard box that had just been placed on top of her body. And yeah, I'll, I'll kind of describe the box a little bit later on. There's no mention that she was assaulted sexually. Mm -hmm. um, from what I understand, they, they were clothed, both of them. But just as in Michael's case, there was no weapon found and there was barely any evidence um, to suggest of what had happened or who did this. In her, um, it was her car. So it was a 1988 Mazda that Michael was found by. Okay. So police began, you know, trying to connect the dots. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It came out during their investigation that Michael and Rochelle had been secretly seeing one another romantically. Uh-oh. Yeah. On the night of June 27th, both had been at a friend's house playing Magic the Gathering. So um, it might have been actually how they met each so other. So romantic. You so romantic. Would've, <laughs> you would have loved it if I had gone and played Magic the Gathering with you. So don't don't even talk shit about these people uh, and what they found to do in their off time. I never thought 
No. You knew I wouldn't play. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Because I used to talk shit, mad shit, <laughs> all the time. Mad magic shit. Mad magic shit. Yes. Yeah. So the two had left the friend's house at about the same time. And from what investigators could put together, the two met up again at the school in Spanaway, which was close to where Rochelle lived, and then drove to this secluded road near the Tacoma Sportsman's Club off a of Canyon Road in Rochelle's car. At some point during their, you know, romantic liaison, of course, we're assuming that they met up to have sex, but I I mean, it. Hell no, nah, they were trading magic cards. I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, they, the couple was caught off guard by their attacker or attackers. Yeah. Um, and were forced out of the car in a hurry. When Rochelle was found, she was actually wearing Michael's shirt inside out. So they were doing something that they were caught in the middle of that required their clothing off. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm, you know, what what they were doing, we can guess at. From their investigation. <laughs> don't don't pull out the terms. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You lost me now. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't pull out the terms. I know that you know all this where do you still have your cards? You Mo- sold them, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So from there, investigators felt that it was a single attacker. They forced Michael into compliance by placing the knife to Rochelle's throat. You know, that's where the small pricks on her neck are. Probably that's where they came from. Mm -hmm. Or it's possible that if there were more than one attacker, one had Rochelle and one or more placed Michael in the handcuffs and murdered him. What I found interesting was that Michael was shot and, you know, attacked by the knife, his um, throat slit. But obviously they didn't take, they wanted to take their time with Rochelle. Yeah. So it's a very contradictory crime almost because Michael, you know, was quickly disposed of basically. Yeah. Well, Going along with that whole lover thing, if like it was her boyfriend, he would have probably wanted to get rid of him first. You know what I mean? Just like bang. Now now they're gonna torture her to death and let her suffer. Yeah. You know, this is what you did. Yeah, kind of thing. She wasn't dating anyone at the time though. She was dating him. Hmm. Yeah. So it's just it's really interesting. I I I kind of can't get over that he was shot. And it was just one shot. I I it's just odd to me. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe someone thought they were dating. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe and I yeah, I mean I've got I there is some a part to that, yeah. Mm. But yeah, I'll get into it. What was that, Nay? It almost I mean when you first started explaining the case, I I almost thought it was like a mob hit or something. Like he owed somebody money and they just wanted to, you know, get rid of him real quick. I can't pay. Yeah. Yeah. So you just get one to the dome and, you know, slit his throat. It's just, yeah. I mean, that's, and that, who knows? That's that. And even with the handcuffs too. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a lot of, um, Makes you wonder, 
Like, was this really premeditated mm-hmm. kind of thing? Yeah. But, but there's some stuff that, that I'll get into that kind of plays into that as well. So once Michael was killed, investigators believe that Rochelle was then taken to the attacker's car um, in the attacker's car to the other location where her body was found and she was killed. So the cardboard box would be the only possible lead that they felt they could use to identify a suspect. So this box was a long and flat box and it it was identifiable. What it held was long, like a ream of long oversized paper that like a specialty printer would use. Yeah. And on the outside, there was a label that said Gilbert Gilcrest laid (laughs) India white. Oh, 20. No, it's like the, the manufacturer information. Um, It was India white paper, 23 by 35 inches, 95 millimeters, sub 22 short 1500 sheets so it was like very specific yeah you could find that you could you know look up at distributors and see who would buy that um and it was in the box when you can uh, look online there are photos of the box for the evidence it looks like it was in pretty good condition Honestly, so it hadn't been out in the elements. Yeah, it had been in this person's possession, uh-huh. and they used it specifically to just put on top of her. Oh, is very weird because if if you look at the box, it is not hit by the elements at all. Yeah, it it literally looks like somebody opened the box, took the paper out, and then used you know had an empty used box it to cover it. Cover and then her. just took the box and covered her with it. At some point, they had it in their position already. They had that in their car. It's, it's just, just a weird thing. It is a weird thing because, like, what are you gonna do? Like, right? What are you gonna do with that box? It's flat, so it's not like it's big no, enough. It's like oh, nobody, nobody will see her. Right. Like, let me just put this on top of her. Right. Just literally laid it on top of her. Nobody's body. gonna see this. Right. Like, what right. the fuck? I get this may not have been a planned out thing. Or it was very planned out. It's, it's not really. Yeah, crazy. to have that. Maybe have he that was just at work. Just yeah. to be carrying it around. Like he, well, maybe he was at work and he's like, you know what? I'll just take this out later. And then he, you know. I mean, maybe. On a whim, he just does this. Right. And then he's like, oh, shit, I better cover this up. There, are, I mean, there really are a lot of possibilities. And, and I right. think that's part of the problem that you know, investigators ran across was there's so little information that the information they had was so open to, you know, discovery. It was open to, to explanations could have been anything. So it was, you know, an, an odd thing to use. They felt that the killer had had it in their vehicle and used it out of necessity to cover the body. They also felt that this was a crime of passion, as I said, because of the stab wounds that she sustained to police, it seemed as if Rochelle was the target and mm. Michael was just the unlike, you know, unlucky victim, yeah. basically, who had to be dealt with to get to her. Yeah. With not much else to go on, investigators began, you know, they they do the normal things. They start looking into friends and family of the two. And right off the bat, they talk to Michael's wife, Janet, because, you know, here he is married mm-hmm. and ha- taking, you know, taking the time to have this relationship on the side. Um, 
they're thinking, okay, well, did she have something to do with it? Obviously, you always look to the to the spouse. Yeah. The reasoning, um, you know, that they had is obvious, but she knew she knew about the relationship. She she comes out and she she says, you know, yeah, I I knew that they were seeing each other. Michael was seeing her, and um, I wasn't sure if he was going to divorce me or leave me or if they were almost done. And she basically in her interview was uh, like, I, and we'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, I don't really like her explanation of it, but I also, I, you know, what are you going to do? I, she seems a little off, but it's just one very quick interview that I watched. So they also, you know, start questioning her about their life, basically. And it comes out that there are two large insurance policies that they had on each other. Uh-huh. And they were fairly new, part, you know, insurance policies that they had purchased, uh, $250,000. Wow. In 1994, that's not bad money. That's a lot. Yeah. She was fully cooperative, though, with their questioning, and she um, even explains that she insisted on the life insurance policy to assure that their children's would be taken care of. They had the two kids uh, yeah. that were kind of young, and she, you know, I, I do remember also in the 90s, pretty much every other commercial was for, like, Pin Life or, you know, the Gerber Life. Yeah. Um, insurance. I do remember the Gerber Life all the yeah, time. There man. was, like, the Pin... Yeah. pin life or pin state life or something it was called and it was like every other commercial on tv was about some sort of life insurance policy that you could get mm-hmm. and and i looking back on it now i remember it but at the time it just was the commercials that came on tv i didn't think yeah. anything of it i i think that was maybe when like that kind of stuff kind of exploded yeah, and people were like oh we need life insurance policies you know term life is the big yeah. The new big deal. Um, so that really doesn't seem out of the ordinary that, she, you know, that that would happen in 1994 to me. That no, they would no. take out those policies. Especially a young family, two kids. Right. They want them to be taken care of. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I kind of don't feel like that's out of the ordinary to, to a lot of people, you know, a 25 year old taking out a life insurance policy for 250,000 nowadays. Yeah. We'd be like, uh, excuse me. But I, there was just that weird rush of you. Everybody needs life insurance, and mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. I don't know if that was a thing prior. I just know that I remember that on TV a lot being advertised at that time. So she, you know, she says it was her idea for this life insurance policy, and she is given a polygraph, which. It, <laughs> I, again, yeah. it's the nineties. That's all they know how to do. I swear to God. Like that's all they know. If you pass the polygraph, you, you were an angel. That's right. That you couldn't have done anything wrong in your life. You're fucking bulletproof. Yeah. Um, so she passes and there's really no evidence either that she's involved. So she's not considered as a suspect for very long and they quickly move on. Mm-hmm. And then the case gets cold. They, they really have no leads. They don't know where to go. There's not really a whole lot of evidence. And after about a year, um, Janet hires a private detective. Oh. 
And he also kind of heavily scrutinizes Janet. And he's like, well, I'm going to start with the most likely, you know, person of interest. And that's you. Mm -hmm. And he starts taking a look at, you know, the life insurance policies the two had. And he's questioning her about the affair. He is also satisfied that she is not involved with the murders of Michael and Rochelle. And he just kind of dives deep into working on the murders, but he's also very frustrated by the lack of evidence and and how little leads there are. In December of 1995, a story makes its way in the news that a friend of Rochelle mentioned to the police that um, she was worried that she had a stalker. Yeah. And I read it in two different accounts, one stating a man with whom she had had lunch with once, like couldn't let go of her. And, you know, was obsessed. And then the other was that a man had just noticed her at her job, which was at a fast food restaurant um, a few months prior to the killings. No one really knew who the man was. Her coworkers could describe him, of course, but um, nobody, nobody knew who this, you know, guy was. Yeah. The police have a composite sketch drawn up and the man that's drawn is just he looks like a, a pimple faced teen yeah. and and they refer to him as quote the pimply man which is embarrassing for, like if you're this man um i mean i don't know that i feel sorry for you in any way but damn that's really that sucks yeah. to be known as the pimply man uh, the description officially was that of a white male approximately aged between 25 and 30, about 5 foot 10, about 170 pounds, and light. he had light brown hair. Apparently, the man would come into her work. He would, you know, spend time, like, outside staring in through the windows. Not creepy at all. Not at all. Not at all. Um, Not at all. And... She also mentioned that she thought she maybe had been followed home a few times, um, which is quite scary. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of wonder how often that happens and people just don't realize, you know, not to creep anybody out or anything. Yeah. But you are listening to a true crime podcast. But these are the <laughs> things that go through my head. What if somebody saw me somewhere and was like, oh, I wonder where they live. Yeah. And then followed me home. It's, it is a thought. That's why you never take the same path home. I always take the same <laughs> path home. I am a creature of habit. Actually, um, no, that's not true because I, depending upon the traffic, the shortest way yeah. home is the one that I will take. So there's a few different options, but yeah, I just, I just want to make it home. I, I don't really care. Once you, if you followed me home, once you followed me, I, I might surprise you. You wouldn't know what you were going to get when, when you followed me and I was at home. Yeah. I could I could really fuck somebody up, I think, <laughs> depending upon the day and time. <laughs> if not you, the dogs would. Right. Yeah. I mean, all I got to do is, is open the gate and there they go. So this tip was taken seriously, um, even though he was described as the pimply man. Uh, however, it, it never produced any leads. Nobody ever came forward saying that they recognized that, that sketch as somebody that they knew. There was never any, any information that led anywhere. So the private detective that Janet hired was also out of leads, and he continued to work with what he had and whatever the police you know shared with him as well, but he wasn't getting anywhere. 
And then he had the thought that because Michael supposedly had this large collection of occultish type items, Mm -hmm. um, he decided to pursue that avenue to see if there were any possible connections to the murders and the occult. So what did he do? He decided to enlist the help of a well-known psychic. When you say occult, is he just talking about his Magic the Gathering cards or were there anything else? Was there anything else? Yeah, see, that's that's where it's unclear. Okay. Um, it and the, it simply could have been the cards and and whatever comes along with the cards. Oh, it really no. could have been. But but he also could have had, you know, in the nineties that uh, fantasy fairy dragon, uh, like statues and shit was everywhere. Bruh. People had incense everywhere. It was I. Yeah, you know, dragons holding crystal gazing balls and shit. It it didn't mean anything. <laughs> crystal balls. Dragon balls. Dragon balls. No, you know, like the statues of the crystals that were like Yeah. No, I know what you're talking cuter about. looking yeah. and they had fucking a a gazing at a ball or something. Yeah. It it doesn't mean you're into the occult. It's not like you're worshiping Satan because you've got a a dragon on your nightstand. But that's what he represents, the but, dragon. Uh, sure. I don't think so. I thought it was a snake. Sure. They'll interpret it. Oh, yeah, the whatever. snake, the dragon. It's a reptile. I don't know. But it, it could have been anything. It, it, it really could have been. So he enlists the help of Nancy Myers, who mm-hmm. has a, a history of helping out as a consulting psychic in police investigations to this day. In she, this area? She has a website uh, pretty much all over, is from, from oh, what I understand. Okay. But there are a few things in this area. She actually tried to help out, I guess, with the Misty Copsy case, oh, yeah. which I didn't, when researching that, I there was no mention anywhere of a psychic helping yeah. No, I don't um, remember you mentioning it either. No, and I would have. Yeah. I definitely would have. So well, I maybe th- because she didn't really produce anything. <laughs> I mean, it's it's possible. Um, I, and there was a lot of other stuff going on with that case that was just, it, that one was kind of um, the avenues of, of investigation were, could it it could have gone multiple places so yeah, yeah if if a uh, psychic came in and offered any information it it may not have been taken seriously cuz they they really didn't work that case is the problem they it got bounced between the police and the sheriff and it really didn't get worked so maybe she did try to help and they weren't working it so that information didn't, didn't get released to the public oh, i don't maybe. know you know um, cuz they didn't take they didn't take her mom seriously they didn't take you know, even the report that Misty was a, a missing child, seriously. Yeah. So she may have may have had some information that she gave to the police at that time. Yeah. And, the you know, the psychic was not acknowledged in any way. But who knows? So Janet also must have been on board with that because she herself appeared on a Seattle afternoon talk show with Sylvia Brown, who everybody knows because... Uh, she used to go on Montel. Yeah. If anybody remembers Montel <laughs> from yes. the from the talk show days, or if later, what did he do the the money commercials? Oh yeah, the uh, 
wasn't it the it's my money and I need it now? I don't remember. Stuff? I just remember him later on in life doing those commercials. No, uh, yeah. It he, might have been some of those life insurance commercials. It might have been. <laughs> Maybe. He well he Circle got back. really sick, didn't he? I know, right? Good connection. Good yeah. connection. He, he got, called back. He got really sick, didn't he? Yeah. I think that's why he quit his talk show. Yeah. He I mean, he was really sick. Um, but she was on there a lot. And uh Sylvia Brown is very controversial um she she does not have a good standing with a lot of people and she was actually i think there were charges uh brought against her as for fraud oh yeah so anyways afternoon talk show in seattle sylvia brown's on it and uh so is janet and from what i can understand this just kind of added like a lot of negative response um because of their involvement and their their thoughts on this case. Yeah. Um mostly on Nancy Meyer's theory. And when we get back from this break, we'll dig into what she believes really took place in the early hours of June 28th, 1995. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Renowned psychic Nancy Myers was brought into the case about a year or so after Michael Johnston and Rochelle Robinson's murders by the private detective hired by Michael's widow, Janet. She was taken out of uh, to the site where Michael's body and Rochelle's car had been found off a of canyon road. And seemingly she had no knowledge of the crime beforehand. She very explicitly told the private investigator, you know, don't tell me any details beforehand. I, I can't know anything about this case. Otherwise, it, yeah. it gives me, you know, a skewed vision. And I, that's all very well and good. But, how, you know, how do we know that that's factual? We don't know that. Anybody could say, I don't know anything about the case, but you yeah. know everything about the case. How do we know you didn't read the paper, lady? Right. I just don't know that there's any way that anybody can prove that she really didn't know anything about the case. Yeah. No matter what she says. So she starts, you know, they get out there and she starts having visions of what she feels has happened. And it completely contradicts what the police are, are claiming is as the possibility. So in her version, Michael was the intended victim due to his being caught up in some sort of black magic. I also found that it was very interesting that maybe, because Michael had so much, you know, occult merch mm, that yeah. he brought in a psychic. And the first thing she's, she's like, oh, it was definitely black magic, occult led killing. Yeah. Very interesting that that just supports what the PI brought you in to look at. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, th I find that, I find that that is a very odd coincidence. Yeah. So she claims that he's violated some kind of rule or regulation, in her words, relative to some kind of almost like a cult situation. <laughs> kind of like a fight club. Maybe. First rule of fight club is you don't talk about fight club. Right. You don't talk about the occult. 
Oh, oh, hey. We we have another special guest. If you guys hear someone in the background, it is my uh, my niece uh, Harlan. She's she's awake from a nap. So if you guys hear someone in the party, yes, right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sorry. You just you had to interrupt me. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I saw Harlan. Yeah. (laughs) So. She sees that the killers, uh, that there was three killers that came across Michael and Rochelle at the location where Rochelle's body was found. And Rochelle was murdered first Mm -hmm. in her vision. So then from there, the killers take Michael in Rochelle's car to the location near the sportsman's club and kill Michael there. Nancy describes seeing Michael, you know, struck with fear and panicked after seeing the men stab Rochelle and mm. knowing that she's dead. And she sees him kind of pleading with them, stating that they don't have to do this. She also describes the men that she sees. There's a leader who's about 30 years old, and she claims that he was a teacher or professor at a local college or university. And that he had some sort of, quote, emotional control over the two men who helped him carry out this murder, these murders. Yeah. His name's name's Tyler Durden. (laughs) And Myers describes them as, quote, foolish puppets. So just, you know, pawns. I don't I don't know. Whatever this guy, this, you know, leader has over them, he's got this just emotional control and and it was possible that they were maybe going to be murdered too that you know their their lives were in danger too um she claims both of those guys were in their younger 20s and she was able to give their descriptions to a sketch artist and she's pretty adamant that these murders were because of michael and his occult dealings and it's it's actually the complete opposite of what the police you know can even give as far as evidence um, from what they've found, there's no, there's nothing that points to this at all. But even with her involvement and, you know, these sketches that she's able to provide, Nancy Myers was no more of a help to this case than, you know, the tip about the stalker was nothing comes of it. Sylvia Brown actually had a similar version to Meyer's story. However, she stated whoever did the killings was mistaken that Michael and Rochelle were in a relationship, which I find funny because Janet was on that show with her and Janet had already said, I knew they were having an affair. Yeah. She told the police, she told the private investigators. She, she wasn't hiding that. She had already said that, but Sylvia Brown was like, Oh no, 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 that's a mistake. (laughs) <laughs> that they weren't they weren't in a relationship. No. But she also said that Michael or both of them were mixed up with the occult. And again, are you talking about the cards? Are you talking about a game? Or are you talking about actual occult activity? Yep. I don't know. Fight club's a real thing, honey. It I know. Sure. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm not gonna discredit that. I'm going to discredit Sylvia Brown oh, for being wait. A, a quack. Be careful. She may put a voodoo hex on you. I can rebound that. Oh, Thank okay. you very much. I've got my shit on lockdown. Oh. I am we are fully protected. Okay. Thank you. Um but Sylvia had a name. 
So Sylvia says that Paul, with the initials LP, was in connection to this murder, was the leader or the killer. And every time I hear the word LP from years of working in retail, I think of loss. What is it? Loss Loss prevention. prevention. Why do I say protection? Loss protection. (laughs) Loss prevention. So it's Paul Uh and loss prevention. So everybody check your check your records for your loss prevention people. Yeah, LP. Those those letters are triggering too. They are very (laughs) triggering. Yes, I want to say that he worked at Sears and yeah, (laughs) Jason Penney's, or maybe even Gottschalk's. Ooh, right. I I don't know. You guys say LP, and I think Louisiana Pacific Mm. from my truck driving Mm. days. That's all I think. Mm Go to LP, pick up some lumber. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's it. I guess that's just triggering. Well, maybe he was a truck driver. Maybe. There's a lot of truck drivers that do a lot of bad things. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> the police still hold the belief that Rochelle was the intended target, no matter what these two women say. And, you know, they... They can kind of prove that with the evidence, you know, due to the brutality of her wounds and even the fact that she was covered up. It seems likely that the wounds on her neck were done while keeping Michael um, compliant before he was killed or even herself compliant before she was killed. Investigators stated on, you know, on the record with media outlets that they didn't want the psychic's information to turn the case into a tabloid sensation. And I... I kind of fear that it did. It didn't further the case in any way. Yeah. And if anything, it, it hindered, hindered it. it. Yeah. So unfortunately this case has remained unsolved for like 28 years now. Oh yeah. At one point, the families of both victims offered a reward of $15,000 to help get any traction in the case. Uh-huh. There was hope that the sketches of the pimple man, the pimply man stalker and the three occult members would garner some interest, but they never did. Uh And Nancy Myers sketches look nothing like the reported stalker that Rochelle had. So it's, it's hard to know if she was accurate or if the stalker was just not involved in the crime at all, or, you know, there you've got four different possibilities here and none of them overlap. Really, hmm. and the, the guy never reappeared at the restaurant after the fact. That's that's kind of weird. I mean, if if he did, it wasn't mentioned. So it's, I mean, that is kind of weird. But I, if he was involved in her murder, then that would explain why nobody ever saw him again. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's I not going to so. go back to where she worked. Or he went to a dermatologist and got his pimply skin fixed. Which I mean. Accutane, sure. Sure, I don't know. I mean, it's treatable now. As well, it was treatable then. People just didn't talk about it. Oh, in the nineties. Yeah, but I thought there was like really harsh chemicals. I mean, yeah, Accutane is a harsh. Talk about, yeah, a lot of people talk about having like suicidal thoughts. Yeah. So maybe we're connecting dots here. Mm, maybe. Maybe. He, maybe. Maybe he's maybe no he longer around. Maybe. <laughs> or he know. was treated with Accutane and acted yeah. in another way instead of right killing himself yeah he was violent oh, yeah he was violent towards other people i maybe maybe it added some some Look, psychosis you may be or something. on something eh? 
Well, I know that if you're on Accutane, <laughs> you have to go to the doctor regularly and get like lab work and get checked out. You, they don't just give you the prescription for it and here, there, here's how to use it. And there you go. Like, And you can only be on it for short periods of time because See, of I, those side effects. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Who would have thought skincare? Yeah, yeah, you can only take it like once or twice, I think, because it's so mm. harsh. And you have to sign like a release <laughs> that if I think something happens that they're not liable. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's not just like, here's some topical ointment. It's, it's a big deal. So I, maybe, maybe he had a breakdown. Maybe he was in some kind of psychotic state or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I just, it's, you know, sometimes in cases it's hard to get one sketch. And here we've got four. Oh, yeah. And it didn't lead to anything. Yeah. So after um, so many years of and the lack of movement on this case, it's it went, you know, it went cold and then uh, a cold case team brought it back, looked at it again, got nowhere. It went cold again. I'm sure that that has to be devastating for these families. They just want some answers. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, yeah, everybody wants answers. Right. I, I feel, you know, if you if you really think about it, uh, Michael's kids are probably in their thirties at this point and they grew up oh, yeah. without their father or even not knowing what and happened. I mean, I'm sure they knew what I'm happened. I'm sure they but know at some point how it happened, knew, but yeah. Or who, who did it and yeah. who did it and, and Rochelle's parents, you know, they were very, um, just really felt that the investigation was not done properly and that it was just kind of dropped and and I can't imagine how frustrating that is. It's just I can't even imagine uh, how frustrating that would be to to know that there are entities out there that are supposed to research this and supposed to find out this information and supposed to work until you can't work anymore mm-hmm. and to feel that they didn't do that is just it's very frustrating, I'm sure. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. So if anybody listening has any tips on these murders and it happens, you know, people remember stories, um, it, you know, Oh yeah. My uncle was driving past this one day and, and saw this truck. It, it happens, yeah. you know, they are asked to call the Tacoma Pierce County crime stoppers at two, five, three, five, nine, one, five, nine, five, nine, or the Tacoma P- uh, police PD at two, five, three, five, nine, four, seven nine four seven so i mean hopefully i mean stranger things have happened we found out who the golden state killer was there's been dna you know convictions left and right lately with dna evidence that's come up stranger things have happened so i i can't say that this won't get resolved at some point Mm -hmm. but it is just it's years and years now one thing i wanted to mention is i watched this on unsolved mysteries oh god and i love unsolved mysteries and it was the og it was the og with you know our man robert stack your man yeah my grandma's man yes (laughs) (laughs) you know we we loved watching this and we may have honestly watched this episode because it came out in 1996 you and grammy yeah oh yeah, so I was still living with my Grammy in 1996. Yeah. So we we may have watched this. I may have watched this and just don't remember it. 
but as much as I love watching it, it was put out as entertainment production. It wasn't, it was not only to highlight cases around the country and around the world in some case, you know, some of the things that they discussed were outside of the U S but there was, there was a sensationalism to it. And they really portrayed the occult connection and, you know, the magic, the gathering game. It was very subconsciously leading you to feel that it was because Michael and Rochelle had been playing this game the uh-huh. night before they died, that that's why they died. <laughs> yeah. And every time they mentioned the occult, it would be pictures that would pop up of like, you know, a crystal ball or like daggers or... Just like very symbolic <laughs> satanic shit, you know? Yeah. And they actually never mention in that episode that they were playing Magic the Gathering. They they no, just they say a card game. <laughs> okay. But it is it is very suggestive that it is, you know, either Dungeons and Dragons or Magic the Gathering. Yeah. The way that it's portrayed is is just kind of misleading and it's very p- persuasive. Mm-hmm trying to get you to think that the psychic had the right information. I felt, I think that also hindered any evidence or, you know, leads or suggestions that they might've gotten after this aired. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause it was only about two years after the murders that that episode aired. So people really could have had some pertinent information that they could have shared. And maybe they didn't because of how that, that came across. I don't know. It sucks because you think of all the episodes that you've watched and then to think like, oh, maybe they skewed a lot of the, a lot of the cases that they were reporting and a lot of them are still unsolved because of that. To be honest, I, there have been some episodes that I've watched about cases that we've, and, and I haven't even mentioned that I watched the episode because it was so poorly done. It was so blatantly victim blaming or, you know, shaming like sex workers, shaming single parents even. Yeah. There have been some of the episodes that I've watched that either I didn't talk about the, the case or I, if we did the case, I didn't mention that I watched that episode because it, it was it was not okay. And it, it wouldn't have given me any information that I couldn't have found someplace else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think you're right, Nay, that it's it's not really been helpful it was it was maybe helpful then but now now when you look back it doesn't age well no it doesn't it didn't age well i will also note that magic the gathering came out in 1994 i believe and during that time there were still parts of the country that you know couldn't shake the satanic panic notion that you know anything other than christianity was related to the devil the devil yeah Satan's hold and having grown up in a very religious household, I can tell you that that card game was talked about and there was real fear that, you know, <laughs> Satan was going to grab hold of your children if they touch those cards. Yeah. And I did. Well, I, I do remember having some discussion with your grandma about those cards. Mm-hmm. She, she kind of disapprovingly was like, mm. yeah, and I was like, grandma, it's just a card game. Yeah. No, I some of those symbols. I'm all there's uh-huh. no symbols, Grammy. <laughs> well, and there very well might be, but the the, yeah. the problem mm. is that 
well, that's a different podcast, I guess. There's there's symbolism in everything, but we yeah, we don't want to tread on other people's territory. Yeah, there's there's some other <laughs> podcasts that you can listen to that kind of get into that, but I there's symbolism in everything. Oh yeah, and whether that belongs to Christianity or belongs to a certain religion or, pagan, or paganism yeah. or whatever, it all draws from the same thing. Eventually, it's yeah. not. Yeah, there are there are symbols that are used in Christianity that have gone back to way before Christianity was a thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't really you can't really say that. And and like I said, I didn't know that. At the time I was, you know, what you don't know, you don't know. And all I had been fed up to, to that point was Christianity. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I don't think that my upbringing was, was bad in any way, but it's just, um, you know, once you get older and you start getting out into the world, you learn about other things and that's okay too. I just know that in the case of this game, there it was my god i i can't tell you how many times i heard about just how horrible it was and it's like the it it's it's the the spiciness of it i guess like <laughs> oh my god did you know that so and so's daughter is playing magic the gathering yeah it's you know it was it's the tea so i i feel like the extensive like occult collection that michael had simply could have been the game and people just didn't know what it meant. Yeah. You know, that we're so scared of it that it, it really could have just been the game. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too is like no one ever, you know, they didn't play the game. You know what I mean? Like they didn't actually play it. I mean, now we, we laugh about it because it's really, you know, a bunch of guys in a basement playing. <laughs> you would know. Yes, I would. <laughs> I'm not denying this. That's the thing. I'm not denying it at all. Just, yeah. It really wasn't a basement. It was. No, it was somebody's kitchen table. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. Yeah. I wonder if they even doing their investigation, if they even really did play the game or looked into it. But even the name sounds kind of sketchy. Magic the Gathering. Right. Yeah. But also, too, it could have been some of the things that lured people to it, too. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Magic the Gathering. Well, I mean, it's... I could be it's, a sorcerer. Well, exactly. It's that kind of role-playing aspect of things where you, you kind of step outside of your reality and you get to yeah. be whatever, you know, make-believe thing you want to be. And for some people, that's that's what they need. Yeah. You know, they need that escapism. I, I highly doubt that any of these people investigating this case played that game to see what it was or to really look into it. They might've talked to the people, you know, like I'm sure they, they talked to the people that they were playing the game with before Michael and Rochelle were killed that night. I'm sure they did, but I doubt that they really got an in-depth look at the game itself. No. No. Other than just to question them. Yeah. Just looking outside in, you know what I mean? Right. And and who's to say that even if they really took an in-depth look at it, that they were open to really seeing what it was about? Heck no, they wouldn't have done that. Yeah, because... Because I, then they would have been, you know, uh, indoctrinated too. Right. They would have been part of Satan's cult. 
Well, yeah, Satan's that's fight club. I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch your cards. <laughs> you'd have them laying out on the car, on the table or something. You'd be like sorting them and I'd be like, you can put your shit away now. I know you would. Yeah. I was not Jess, nice. Jess really did not want to touch I them. I really didn't want to touch them. I didn't want to have anything to do with them at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know what, what, what do you guys think? What do you, which version of, of this story do you think is more conceivable? And, and I hope I have it. I'm, I'm, I know that my opinion is clear cause I, I have kind of made statements how I feel, but I, honestly, I, I don't want it to come across that I believe that psychics are frauds or anything like that. I I do believe that there are people who have some sort of ability that can do these things and that can help out. And I'm not here to question that whatsoever. I'm here to question why these two women in particular um, had such a very contradictory version of things to the evidence to what little evidence there was yeah and i believe i like to follow the evidence you know because forensics has come a long way Mm -hmm. also investigating practices you know have come a long way um we know you know we now know about dna but even back then they knew about dna they just didn't know when they they were going to be able to process it right that's the thing yeah they knew the technology was coming especially in the 90s you know what i mean but yeah, it was so close. Evidence preservation. I mean, we're getting better at, you know, crime scene processing, mm-hmm. especially there in the 90s. But yeah, it, it just, I, I mean, we now know how long people have been dead. I mean, we've known that for a while. So, I mean, well, if yeah, they can they tell can who that. died first, that's probably the way it happened, you know, with, with the coroner's report and things like yeah. that. But I mean, it's just, I, I believe, yeah, if if the detectives find that and the, you know, the pathologist report coincides with that, right. I mean, pretty much that's science. You know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's, it's true. I mean, it, yeah, well, who, that, that we doesn't do, mean that people believe it. No, but I mean, that also it doesn't mean that we, we don't know who killed them. It's just that we know when they died and how they died, who died first, who died second. So, I mean, right. Well, yeah. and, and even if we didn't, you know, which is more plausible. That's, that's kind of the thing, which is, is more plausible that, yeah. you know, he was, he was killed first or she was killed first. Yeah. And I think just, just by the fact that she had those marks on her neck, she was being made to be compliant. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. And I, the only reason you would do that is because you need to take care of the other person first. I also think these psychics were, I'm trying to see the positive. Are they just trying to make people think like a different kind of way? Maybe it happened this way. Maybe you guys should look at it that way. You know what I mean? It's just like they do present possibilities, but I don't think they're the right possibilities, especially when the science says he died first, she died second. Right. And a ways away. And, you know, it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to be positive here. <laughs> well, I, I mean, sometimes you do have to think outside the box. Maybe that's what they were trying to do. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to find maybe. a silver lining. You're trying to be, uh, partial, impartial. Devil's well, not devil's advocate. I just, <laughs> I'm not trying. By no I'm means is she that. is she fucking right, Renee. It's just. I, I don't, I don't, yeah. Maybe they were trying to get people to think outside the box. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 
it's 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 hard to say it's really hard to say i just i i feel like i feel like it doesn't make sense for her to be killed first yeah and i didn't even even without any um friend you know forensic evidence i I don't know because even if, if, and I'm, there could have been three people that did this. There could have been, I, I, yeah. there's really no, um, nothing that says it was one person or two people or three people. There's nothing that contradicts any of that. Yeah. I also found it interesting that somebody had a gun. If it was one killer, if it was three killers, somebody had a gun because he was shot in the head mm-hmm. at close range. So why would you easily kill him and then take your time to kill her? Yeah. You know, he was shot and his throat slit. And why not just use the gun? Why, why, you know, right. Stab them or, you know, slit their throats when you've, got a gun that would do the job a whole lot easier. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, so it's, I think it's, it's yeah. That, that you know, a crime of passion. Right. Yeah. And, and and that's the thing is I, it was, and that wasn't directed to him because obviously somebody wanted him dead and gone. They shot him and slit his throat. Yeah. You made sure he was gone. And it, it doesn't take, between those two things, he would have bled out fairly quickly. I mean, fairly quickly. So... She she was not treated the same way, or may or maybe like when they cut his throat, he was making so much noise. You know what I mean? They're like, no, he was shot first. Oh, never mind. So they were making sure. Yeah, because you can be shot in the head and it it not kill you. You can. Yeah. At point blank range, I and I don't know what caliber it was, um, yeah. unfortunately, but I mean it. It wasn't a shotgun. It was a handgun of some type. Yeah. But you could be shot in the head and still be alive. Yeah, that lady from uh, the uh, Spokane. The lady from Spokane. Yeah, the um, the serial killer from Spokane. Oh, oh, that's right. Um, Robert E. Late. Yeah, Lee, Yates. Lee Yates. Ugh. Robert. Yates. Robert Just, Yates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Robert Yates. She she was shot in the head point blank yeah, she and she survived know. and she's like, oh. and then she opened her eyes and was like, I'm out. She thought somebody beat her. Yeah. She thought he he like hit her in the head. Yeah. So I you can survive that, but I obviously somebody wanted him done, yeah. gone, and taken care of. And I don't know if he if they had cut his throat first, then maybe I would think that yeah, there's a possibility that somebody was, somebody, you know, that things were playing out different. But because they shot him first, I I just don't think that that gives uh, any any possibility that she was killed first. Mm, yeah. And, and he was handcuffed. So he was subdued to a point where he wasn't a threat. Mm. He, he was still, you know, shot and, and his throat slit. But yeah. That that is the case of of Michael Johnston and Rochelle Robinson. Well, you made it through your first podcast, Nay. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> How was it? Are you going to sleep tonight? 
No, because this is unsolved. So, <laughs> but take comfort, Nay. It happened in Washington. You're all the way <laughs> yes. in California. Yeah, it just happened. Yeah. You know, not not too far down the road from us. Yeah, <laughs> you're all the way down there. Well, the killer had 28 years to travel. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and you know, California is always a good place to go. Yeah. <laughs> With Yay. all the other weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for being on with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I, just want, I want you guys to know how much of a badass my sister. Nay, how tall how tall are you, Auntie Nay? Uh, five two. Five two. Hey, listen, on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> on, when I have my boots on. <laughs> yeah. My sister, um my sister is a locomotive engineer. For those that got, she works for a company we won't name, but she drives trains for a living. How about that? Five foot two and drives trains. Yeah, it's not as cool a, as it sounds. No, it re- <laughs> well, I mean, it is. It's just if, in a male-dominated industry that right? my my little sister drives trains. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but it's it's kind of your fault. So <laughs> no, we don't mention that. We don't mention that at all. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm proud of you, Nay. I'm proud of Thank you. you. You're my special boy. I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> special boy. Special boy. Yeah. No, I, I want you guys to know that my little sister does a lot for the family, and I I want her to know that she's she's not unappreciated. I mean, she takes care of my mom. She takes care of Harlan, and uh, she's an awesome person. And she, and she drives like, trains. And she drives trains. <laughs> and she drives trains. Yes. Don't make me cry now. I know, right? I'm, I'm that's, trying. That's a different podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know. What is this? We're not on Dr. Phil's podcast. No. All right. <laughs> you didn't know you were going to have Thank therapy you. and you were going to get, yeah, we were going to talk about murders and stabbings yeah. and, and then go into appreciation and... <laughs> Yeah. Going through all the emotions. All of it. Yeah. Uh, Antina, you got, you want any shout outs? You got any shout outs? Um, no, I'm not that cool. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> all right. I give, give you a chance. She don't want anybody to know she was on here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to be tagged in everything. <laughs> I won't do that to you, Nay. I do all the social media. I, I can sneak in there once in a while. Yeah, I could take your access back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. We really appreciate everyone's support. And we hope that everyone is staying safe. Please remember, be kind to one another. Everybody's going through some shit and Mercury is in retrograde again. And it's fucked off. And always remember, stay out of the damn woods. Stay out of the woods. Bye, guys. Say bye, Auntie Nay. Bye. What Happens in the Woods is an independent podcast and is managed and produced by Gospel for the Rebels, LLC. Research and content are presented by host Jessica, with all editing and producing done by your favorite resident techie, Bryce. We believe in transparency and will always list our sources and information in our episode notes. We are always looking for new cases and stories to tell. We welcome your interaction with us on Facebook and Instagram 
at WHIT Podcast and at Twitter, What Happens in the Woods, I-N-T-2. Or if you prefer, our website is whathappensinthewoods.com. The campfire is open to all. Thank you for your continued support of our podcast. If you love us and want to continue to hear us bring you episodes, please share and like us wherever you can. But the best way to help us grow is to hit all five stars and review us on whatever platform you get your podcast fix. Until we meet again, campers, stay safe and stay out of the damn woods.